Last week on Let's Talk Supply Chain, I spoke to Dan Johnston of Workstep, and they are changing the game in talent, recruitment, retention, you name it, in supply chain. Having challenges finding key workers? Well, look no further and tune in to find out all about how Workstep can be your new best friend. Available now wherever you subscribe to Let's Talk Supply Chain, or you can find it on Let's Talk Supply Chain YouTube or on letstalksupplychain.com. It was episode 256. Let's Talk Supply Chain is not your average supply chain podcast. We feature not just the top of the industry, but also diverse voices from within the community, new innovations, and the disruptors making waves in the industry. Don't listen to the same old, same old. Be sparked by new ideas and fresh perspectives only on Let's Talk Supply Chain. And now a word from our sponsor. It's time to take control over your supply chain with Cavallo. Cavallo is a distribution management solutions provider founded by an experienced distributor who spent two decades perfecting and optimizing Cavallo's high-powered user-friendly software. Cavallo offers the ability to have complete control of your process with automated workflows that offer business rules and alert logic that will streamline your distribution operations. Leverage Cavallo's state-of-the-art business intelligent platform that provides real-time intelligence of your customers' orders, alerting you if they are out of compliance or even better, bringing awareness to areas in your business that are driving exceptional value. With a data-driven approach to supply chain management, Cavallo enables a network of cloud, on-prem, and integrated solutions that offer a path to excellence no matter where you are in your technical journey. For more information on how to accelerate growth with Cavallo's business intelligent platform and its game-changing distribution management software, visit Cavallo, C-A-V-A-L-L-O.com today. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. We are changing things up this week and featuring one of our newest live shows that you can catch live or catch the replay on any of our Let's Talk Supply Chain social channels, including YouTube. But before we get into what we have in store for you today, let's talk about the poll of the week. So we asked the community, what color are zebras? 71% of you are in my camp and said white with black stripes. And 29% of you said black with white stripes. And let me tell you, we had 509 votes for this one. So the community came out to really let us know what they think. It's interesting though. Caroline piped up and said, I learned this while on Safari once. What a fun uh, question. Then we asked her what the correct answer is. And she said, black with white stripes. Crazy. Heather says, trick question, LOL. Uh, Dick Ibiso says, zebras are black with white stripes. And uh, she goes on to say, yes, but at first glance, it may appear the opposite is true. After all, the black stripes of many zebras end on the belly and towards the inside of the legs, revealing the rest is white. But looks are deceiving in the zebra's case. I love it. I love it. Sashidar says, tricky question, actually does have an answer. Zebras are black with white stripes. At first glance, it appears the opposite is true. After all, the black stripes of many zebras end on the belly. And he, so he said the exact same thing. Um, Ibrahim says black and white stripes. And Mark just says, blowing mind emoji. Thank you so much to everybody who tunes in and checks out our poll of the week. We are now getting people asking us if we don't post it on time. So thank you so much to everybody who weighed in and we can't wait to see you next Wednesday morning for our next poll of the week. So action items with DC Shvagola are jam-packed with insights around digital transformation and leaves you with tangible action steps you can take in your supply chains. DC goes live with a new guest every second Friday of the month at 10 a.m. Eastern across all of our Let's Talk Supply Chain social channels. And so we are super excited to feature her last episode on our Let's Talk Supply Chain podcast. So here is what we can expect from this episode, and then I will leave you to enjoy. 
DC Man's Fergola has a few key action items up her sleeve to ensure supply stability to support demand plan. Joined by guest Atia Yarborough, Director, Demand and Supply Planning, this jam-packed live show will help you understand the importance of dual sourcing, how to reduce uncertainty, startup funding, customer relationships, and so much more. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone um, from, wherever, from wherever you're joining. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Action Items with Let's Talk Supply Chain today. Um, another episode brought to you by New Gen Architects, um, a new generation of business and solution architects working to bridge the gap between the business and technology to help companies achieve successful supply chain transformation. As a thought partner and facilitator, the NGA team sets up clients with a secure foundation and layer in ownership as they embark on technology-driven transformations. From tool selection to project management and business transformation roadmap, the NGA team is made up of industry change makers whose goal is to support scalable and efficient supply chain transformation. So visit NugentArchitects.com for more information and to schedule a discovery session with a member of our team. Um, so today we are talking about sales and operations planning or SNOP and the role the process plays in managing supply chain and business uncertainty, which as we all know has been um, the new way of working. It's become the new normal. Uh, I remember maybe about 18 months ago, we were always talking about when are we going to get back to normal? Um, uncertainty is the new normal. So um, we're going to be talking about the role SNOP plays in managing that uncertainty and finding some stability within the supply chain and product operations. Um, we are also supposed to be talking about dual sourcing, but full disclosure, SNOP, cross-functional collaboration when it comes to planning and execution, is one of my favorite topics to talk about in supply chain. And I will probably steer the conversation to only talk about that for the next 45 minutes or so. Um, but we will see. I am joined by Atia Yarbrough, um, this morning. So uh, welcome, Atia. Good morning. Uh, Atia is heading up demand and supply over at Mason Dixie Foods. And if you have not heard about Mason Dixie Foods, you're welcome. Now you have. Um, you should definitely, I am going to speak slowly to give you time to go ahead and open a tab, write it down, whatever you want to do to make sure that you go at some point this weekend, at some point today, online, they do direct to consumer. You can also go into uh, the website, find a local store if they distribute it locally and pick up some Mason Dixie foods, anything, frozen pastries. They are the bomb. You can thank me later or also not thank me, but I'm telling you to go get some. Um, that was not a paid ad, just truly really good stuff. Want to share the love. Um, so Atia, how did you land at this startup that is shaking up the frozen, you know, food aisle? I've, I've been following you guys for um, about a year now, I think. And I know that Aisha, the CEO, is building out and has been building out just this powerhouse group of, you know, really intelligent women in supply chain and product operations. Um, tell us about your journey to ending up managing supply and demand at Mason Dixie Foods. Sure. Hi, everyone. Um, good morning. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. So my journey to CPG is a little interesting. I actually started my career um, and spent most of the time in the automotive industry. So that's where I had the opportunity to cross paths with ASHA. So I worked in automotive. I was doing production scheduling, demand planning for a full vehicle portfolio, and ASHA and I crossed paths working on a project. So I did that for about 13 years, and I left the automotive industry during the pandemic. Surprise. And I went to work for a CPG company. So there I was responsible for Ready um, to Drink. And I did that for a year before Asha come calling. And I've always loved Mason Dixie Biscuits. Being in the D.C. area, they're huge here. They're amazing. They're so good. And so the brand really 
kind of like hit home for me because it's so relatable, having clean label, better for you, frozen options, real ingredients. So when she came to me with this opportunity, I was like, oh my gosh, I love the brand. We worked together before. And then it was very important to me in my career to work for a diverse women of color in a C- as a CEO. So everything kind of like checked the box and here I am. All righty. And in the CPG space, doing direct-to-consumer, doing retail, your life is cray. Very. (laughs) It is crazy. Crazy. Um, I I do not envy you. Um, (laughs) But but I do thank you for taking the time to um, like some time and speak with me, to speak with our audience. Um, So how, now, what have you seen in the CPG space, also in automotive, I want to make sure that we're all on the same page. Everyone watching. Good morning, Bio, Adriana, Brazil. Um, good morning, Claudia. Thanks, guys, for being here. Um, and I have gone into engagements over the last couple of years. And the company has said, hey, like we're looking for a tool. We're looking for some technology that's going to support our SNOP process. Um, so textbook, SNOP, if you Google it, if you look up SNOE, you can find tons of resources and it talks about what, you know, a best practice textbook SNOP process looks like, who's involved. There are a lot of different departments, a lot of different people, um, what the point is, how you can make decisions based off of what information is um, discussed within those meetings, but what you should be preparing going into the meetings. And on more than one occasion, more than two occasions, I've I've walked into an engagement and um, they've shared, this is our SNOP process, you know, workflow. And at the top, it's titled AOP or annual operating plan. And, and they, they do it once a year. (laughs) And, or, you know, hey, let's talk about this, who's involved. And you have to find a nice way to say, you're not doing SNOP. So let, let's start there. You're creating a plan, which is great. You know, it's better than nothing, but you're doing that at the end of, you know, the previous fiscal year or the beginning of this fiscal year, and then just expecting it to always be the same, question mark. <laughs> um, right. or, or your demand planning team is the only team involved. So this is also not sales and operations planning. This is just demand planning. So have have you had any similar experiences or have you walked into, you know, situations where there was truly an, uh, an SNOP process being uh, executed? So unfortunately, at the company, I come from big corporate America. So um, I will say the SNOP process was there and it was a true cross-functional process. So that's what I live and breathe and what I know. Um, coming to Mason-Dixie, um, that was important for me to make sure we had that same um process tailored to our needs. And that's what we have, a very cross-functional process where we have supply chain engaged, planning engaged, sales engaged, and finance engaged, and we're working monthly. So I think one of your call-outs, if you're looking at it from a yearly standpoint, you're a little too late. So we're having the conversation monthly in like four um, buckets. So each week we're having a conversation at one point of the SNOP process. So that is definitely key. So I, I like that you say coming from, you know, a big organization that their that SNOP process was actually built out um, because that that reminds me of a small detail that I did not include that I have not been, you know, really engaged with those large companies. You know, I've my space, my time in supply chain has been spent in the, you know, 100 to 500 million revenue a billion dollar company here and there. Um, but for the most part, you know, smaller to medium enterprises and then startups. So people that are wanting to get off on the right foot. Um, being at a smaller company now, which I would say just from a an age perspective, it's still, you know, pretty much a startup. Um, how did you guys go about establishing, you know, the, the SNOP process and being able to say, yes, even as a small company, we are doing this. So some advice on how people can just get started on the right foot. For me, first, you have to have people on board. Um, change is hard. Process change is extremely hard. And everybody was on board, even though 
in, in terms of time, we may say, okay, we're a startup. Really, we're operating as a small business. So people were on board. We were growing and we are growing at a very fast rate. So things have to be changed and tailored to the business at that time. So an important um, asset is we have to be agile. We have to have a process where we can be fast, we can be nimble, and we can make decisions and be able to uh, um, adapt to any decisions that we make. So six months ago when I joined, um, Asha and the team we all embraced it and we knew, okay, in order to deliver in this uncertain market, we need to strengthen our SNLP process. So really it started with the people, us immediately coming together and defining how we're going to work cross-functionally and what that circular flow looked like. So it definitely was the people, I would say, to start it. Okay. Two two things that stood out for me that I want to make sure I reiterate and everyone takes away from this, because one of the reasons why I was really excited that you wanted to talk about this um, topic, aside from it being one of my favorite topics, <laughs> is because um, I've over the last couple of years attended a lot of webinars, gone to a lot of you know live sessions, virtual sessions where the topic is SNOP. And in an hour, the takeaway is you should start an SNOP process. And it's like, thanks. I'm going to go do that tomorrow. And we all know that just two things to take away what you just said, Asha, who remember everyone is the CEO. This came from the top. Asha was in it. She said, I know we need to do this. And she pushed it down. It wasn't, you know, middle management or the team members trying to like gather everyone across different functions and say, hey, guys, let's do it. This came from executive leadership saying this is who we are going to be as a company. And this is why it's important. So explaining we have to be agile, we have to be nimble and getting that key stakeholder buy in the second thing executive leadership, getting stakeholder buy-in and having everyone really participate. That was what I take away from what you just said, the foundation to being able to even start on the journey of creating and building out an SNOP process. Yes. And I will say once it, it once it comes top down or even if it comes from middle management, however it comes, it's still the people and you need them on board to implement and you have to understand, okay, we're all here to achieve a goal, have the right product at the right place at the right time, I like to say. We want to make sure we can always meet the needs of the customer. So if we create the process with that in mind, knowing that we need to work cross-functionally, understanding the handoffs, then it pretty much can be implemented. Okay, yes. And, and I, I hope everyone is taking notes <laughs> because, you know, mentioning the customer right product in the right place at the right time based off of what customers want and not what we are seeing from the practitioner side of thinking, oh, this is what everyone else is doing. I need to improve processes or hire people in order to do this other thing also. You don't necessarily need to do that if that's not what your customer is looking for. Um, So definitely keeping that in mind also. Um, So... You know, I, I don't want you to give away any of the sauce, you know, any of the the, the top secrets. Um, but when when you're preparing as a team for these monthly meetings, how much time are you spending on the preparation for those meetings versus, you know, just doing your day to day? Is it because a, a lot of people also then say, I can't do SNOP. Um, and I, I have heard, you know, some of our clients say, I'm the only person that thinks this is important because nobody wants to spend the time. And I, I'm curious, how much time are you actually spending? If you can, you know, do a percentage or a number of hours. Mm-hmm. So I will say allocation of resources is, is key. And also, um, you know, the race, the understanding like the handoff. But I will say so. It's cross-functional. So it's not just me as a demand planner or like running demand and supply planning. I'm not running the entire thing. Yes, I'm steering the meetings, but I'm not running the entire thing. So it's a cross-functional meeting where sales has their share out, finance, they're consulting all along the way. Um, Sales is looking at risk and ops. I'm going in looking at the bottoms up, top down demand plan and really, really ironing everything out. So I would say each stakeholder has their section that they're responsible for. And we're all a fan of working smarter, not harder. So one month, it may be like eight hours. Another month, it may be four hours. It just depends on what's going on, what we're looking at, and what we're discussing. 
But also one key takeaway I do want to add is it needs to be forward thinking. Yes, you're, you know, like you have the data from what happened last year, but one nugget I will drop is it should be forward thinking and you really should be putting in the details of how next year will look, how will the next six months look, how will the next three months look. So if you're going deeper like that, then it may take eight or nine hours, let's just say in one month. But if you've already put in that work and everything is bought in, maybe the next month you're only looking for four hours. And and that doesn't sound like a lot of time to me. Um, you know, but if, remember if the I, tools how you work though, and the yes. systems and the tools you have. So that, that's also if it works for me, it may not work for everybody. I that's say. true. That's true. Um I don't know who you are, LinkedIn user, but one time on time every time. Yes, that's that's um their their way of saying I think yeah. right product in the in the right time um at the right place for for customers. Um, Pius, thanks for joining from Ghana. Um, welcome, welcome to uh, the show. I would say you haven't missed much, but you've kind of missed a lot in the last 15 minutes or so that we've already been talking. But don't worry, it's recorded. Um, you can go back and look at it uh, later at your own time. So you say it to make sure that you are working smarter um, when uh, we were kind of doing the the prep for this episode. I remember seeing some notes that you put people, process, and technology. Are there any technologies that you guys are using um, that you think are really speeding up? Are you are you in the cloud? Are you using Excel? I know there are a lot of cloud-based tools um, that are supposed to help drive the SNOP process. How are you guys sharing data? Because when you have finance and marketing and sales and, you know, yourself on the demand and supply side. And there are so many different, like you said, you're doing bottoms up. For my experience, finance normally doesn't go all the way down to like the SKU level, for example. So is, is there a technology that you guys are using to be able to speak the same language and roll everything up or, you know, cascade it down by the time you get to those meetings? So we do um, look at um, spin data. I will start there. So we have a data source that sales um, looks at. And we do have a system called Modus that we use. Um, and we use a lot of Excel, but it's really streamlined and organized. And I will say um, our finance is very strong. Our CFO, she's extremely strong. And so she does at times get granular, granular excuse me, and go by SKU. Um, so She's really engaged in the way that our Excel systems um, or files, I should say, are set up. It's not too difficult when you merge the data together. But also, if you have a complex offering structure, then it could take longer. Okay, cool. And I am familiar with Modus, actually. Um, one of one of our principals uh, used to head up supply chain at her last role, and she um, she she and I have been. Uh, I wouldn't say, you know, BFFs, but I consider her a friend. Hopefully she considers me a friend. <laughs> We've been friends um, for a couple of years now. And I remember she reached out to me. She's like, have you heard of Modus? I haven't yet. But, you know, this was also in the CPG, um, you know, food space. And yeah. they had similar requirements that I imagine you guys might have with, you know, frozen and refrigerated. And um, for for them, she thought that it was going to be a really good, um, a really good tool. So um, not not a um, endorsement for Modus, but if you are watching and you're in the CPG space, could be a good tool for you to um, consider. So let's talk about how dual sourcing comes into play in the the management of this uncertainty and um, even the role that sourcing and procurement is playing in your guys' SNOP process. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, so dual sourcing is critical. I mean, in this environment, to me and the way that we are um, as a company, we have to be able um, to have capacity. We're growing at an alarming rate and um, the world is on fire. And I believe- What alarming? We'll be on fire at least for another two, three years before we, that's just what I think, um, before we see things start to calm down just a little bit. So dual sourcing really is important when you're growing um, because you just cannot not have it, right? And especially customers want what they want when they want it. They don't want to hear no. So dual sourcing really um, is an integral part of our SNLP process 
if sales were to go get a new account and we didn't have the capacity, how would we be able to unlock that without having dual sourcing? So we're very forward thinking to make sure our partners are qualified um, across the board, never compromising quality, of course, and looking at ways to be flexible. So we do have a strong dual sourcing strategy. And is that, is that, where does that sit? Do you have a procurement department? So it's cross-functional. So it sits um, up under finance, essentially. And there's a team that is on the dual sourcing project, I should say. And that team consists of innovation, um, demand and supply, myself and the product manager. Okay. Um, And context to that question is specifically, you know, thinking about large organizations, there is a procurement department. Um, I, many, not, many, many years ago, because I'm also old, but, but when I first started out in my career, um, one of my first projects was inventory management and planning with Chick-fil-A, which is a, a huge, you know, um, organization. And they had like a procurement department. Um, and when, when I'm having these conversations, again, since, our audience is very often smaller companies. I like to really focus on, okay, but what does that look like at a small company? You don't have, you know, the, I remember that you wouldn't be surprised, but they had like four people who were only in charge of procuring chicken. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, no, no, <laughs> no, I definitely understand. I mean, we're a small company, so procurement, um, I'm definitely a part of that process. And it's a team of, I would say, end to end, I would say, Four, I would say four, but it definitely sits under um, finance. But uh, purchasing is really working closely with me, following the supply plan all the way along. And so they have to be a part of the SNOP process. And I think our structure helps because it does sit under finance, who also is a part of the SNOP process. Okay, cool. Um, Claudia has a question. Any tips on how to measure ESG impacts in the SNOP process? So we're talking sustainability, um, environmental impacts um, of the supply chain. We know that their supply that supply chain plays a huge role in ESG and sustainability, circular economy in general. Um, and a lot of companies are becoming more aware of, you know, packaging and plastic and, you know, how much um, the carbon, uh, carbon neutral, et cetera. How are you guys doing that? Or any tips if you are, you know, not doing it now because you've only been there six months, this is still fairly new, but in the automotive space in your previous lives, um, any tips there? So currently at Mason Dixie, it's on, it's on a project for us. We're not necessarily doing it now, but we will um, in the future. So my advice would be to make sure that that process is locked in with SNOP. In my prior roles, um, I have been a part of it, and it's very, very detailed, and it's very, very complex. So I just recommend there's almost like a specialist that's spearheading that, so that way it doesn't get diluted of the true SNOP. It's like, it kind of like is an arm to it. So that's my recommendation, and that's the approach that um, I would recommend Mason-Dixie will take when we launch it. Okay. Um, so my takeaway from that, wrapping up that for um, Claudia, biggest tip for to measure ESG impact is to not underestimate the level of effort that it will take to do it well, not to greenwash it, not to you know have pretty marketing, but to actually be able to measure the impacts that your supply chain is having. And that needs to have a dedicated accountable person not a, yeah, this person is also going to do this other thing for the sake of being able to say we do it. Um, But if you're going to do it well, don't underestimate the level of effort that's required. Um, So let's get into, I want to go back a little bit to the dual sourcing. Um, What what is the best way to go about finding um, those suppliers when you are a small business? Um, I I don't think, I, I don't imagine that, hey, Google, I need a co-manufacturer in this area is necessarily <laughs> the best the best way to go about it. Um, so how, how do you, and you know, last, uh, last month we had um, Sophia on and she talked about also the importance of, you know, um, as a startup, specifically having uh, multiple suppliers as much as possible. 
But we also talked about a little bit of how you can do that as a small company because you don't have the buying power. You don't have the the volume that, you know, other companies have right now. So how do you find the right partners? I would say the key first is relationship. Of course, just because I had this dual sourcing strategy, me not coming from CPG space, frozen dough, I don't, I didn't know anybody. So one key is having the relationship and also that's already like established. That's definitely going to help, but also really not being afraid to pick up the phone and call people and to like say, Hey, this is what we need over here. What do you have? Can we meet? Can we have a conversation? So I would say to get it going, make sure, of course, you have the backing of finance in your purchasing department. But for us, the success also to get started is the strong relationships that Asha and the team already had in place. Now, you you don't know how Asha did it, <laughs> um, but any, any uh, what's it, speculation on how, you know, Asha coming from it, and, you know, for anyone who, who doesn't know the story and hasn't, you've been paying attention to us and so you haven't gone to go look it up, but started, you know, in the restaurant space and then said, you know what, I'm going to share this wonderful goodness with everyone. And not only you have to come to my restaurant in DC, but you can pop this into your oven at home and get the same, you know, experience. How did she just one person, especially as a woman of color, you know, we always talk about um, access to social capital and those types of relationships um, in the in the startup space. Is it is it an accelerator? Is it an incubator? You know, how can other startups and small companies that know they have a really good product, but don't really know how to scale? Where can they find those relationships? I say Asha is a go getter. She's unique. To be completely honest, even when I compare her to prior leaders that I had, Asha is like a rare gem. She's definitely a go-getter and she doesn't take no for an answer. So I don't know. She's a force to be reckoned with. (laughs) I mean, if you have a good product there, you have to stay hungry. You have to stay humble and you really just have to turn over every stone and unlock. And that's definitely what Asha does and what she and Rosh push the team. And that's how we perform. So, I mean, whether it's from financing that she did in the beginning to going into the room and being the only woman and making sure she's demanding a seat at the table with people that do not look like her, that's what she does. So her having this amount of resilience and determination and being humble, um, sometimes that's hard in leaders. Plus, she has like the soft skills. So I think if you have a good product and if you're reaching a roadblock, then kind of like do a 360 to say, okay, what can I do different to move the needle and push things forward? But Asha, you'll have to hear her speak, but she's different. Yeah. She's, unique. <laughs> she's unique. Yeah. And you can, you can read enough about the story and the success that um, the company has had. And I, I think take that away. Um, so one thing I'm kind of putting Nicole in the spot here. So I will... <laughs> speak slowly again to give her some time to get ready. (laughs) Um, But Nicole posted um, the link to a supply chain quarterly article about SNOP and SNOE. Um, So I'd like to share that on the screen um, quickly and pivot the conversation a little bit from the monthly SNOP to weekly or daily SNOE. And for anyone that doesn't know or hasn't heard about SNOE, Sales and operations um, execution is what uh, is what SNOE stands for, and um, basically what it is is um, you know going from your monthly planning and then taking those monthly decisions and insights and really tying that to how you're actually going to execute on that plan. So it's nice to say this is the plan. It's even nicer to say this is how we're going to execute on it. Um, do you? What's your experience with SNOE? So, I don't have too much experience with SNOE in particularly, but we do execute our SNOP. So, I guess we have one. I just don't know that. I wouldn't just call it that. It's our, <laughs> own, our own version. Well, um, I mean, 
some people basically just call it going to work. <laughs> like, that's what I would say. That's what I would say. So we do um, track sales daily. We do have weekly um, production calls. We're constantly measuring where we are for the month um, and looking at the months going forward from a planning perspective and having that conversation with sales on the risk and opportunities. So I think you can have the SNOP process, but you really have to have that actionable plan that um, you're implementing and showing a result every day, whether if it's a good one or a bad one, because then you just figure out how you're going to recover. So we're definitely having that um, actionable execution plan every single day. Okay, cool. And I, I heard measurement. How did you guys determine which KPIs were important? And I asked that because I, I've i worked with, um, with clients on engagements where like literally probably 35 to 40 KPIs, not even exaggerating. And then on the other side of no, we're not measuring anything. We're just making sure our margins are, you know, okay. So how do you find the happy medium of like, we're obviously not going to sit here and go through 40 KPIs because which ones actually matter, but you also can't have, you know, one, which is just your margin. How do you, how did you guys determine which ones were important? I think each department, um, two or three major KPIs that are unique to them. And then you have two to three all that everybody kind of shares the same KPI. So everybody knows they're working towards the same target. And that could be the sales target or the demand target or um, the budget, I should say. So, um, and then like the fulfillment, you can also like measure, okay, how do the stores want us to be in stock? Do they want us in stock 90% of this product? So there's different KPIs that should be in place. I would say in the SOP process, I wouldn't recommend a lot. I would recommend at least two to three cross-functionals of everyone that's in the department, um, excuse me, that's in the process. And then each function have at least two to three up under that. Okay, cool. Um, and how how much of your SNOP process, um, or I, I guess I'm thinking of the way to phrase this question properly. You have your internal team that is part of the SNOP process, but, you know, especially in CPG, you've got your co-packers, you potentially have co-manufacturers, you're not doing all of your own manufacturing. So when it comes to production, execution, distribution, you also have these external partners that you have to bring in their data. Um, are, are you guys including those external partners in these meetings or are you just bringing in their information and then sharing that with the team? And how are they part of the process? Okay, so they're not directly a part of it. They're not sitting in our internal meetings, no. Mm -hmm. But they're a part of it in a sense. We do have meetings with them weekly, sometimes bi-weekly, and we're taking their data and manipulating it into our needs for the SNOP process or for planning, um, inventory, um, any risk that we could see in the future that we're having um, in the conversation. Let's just say if they were having a reduced line time for a factory shutdown, we're going to consider that and say, okay, we see a dip in this month. So they're not sitting in the meeting, but we do have weekly meetings with all of our suppliers, um, really, really kind of holding hands with them, especially in this environment. You have to, because they have a huge influence on your process. Huge. And um, where you, you mentioned that you're taking the data from your suppliers how is that data gathered? Is, is, you mentioned Excel spreadsheets. Is it Excel? Is it email? Do you have like a supplier portal where you're where you're get, bringing all of that data in? Okay, so some um, some of our suppliers have a portal where we can extract it, and some of some of it comes over um, in email, and then some of them we are working to get them set up on like an EDI transfer. Okay, cool. Um, I, I specifically asked about um, Excel because you mentioned the Excel spreadsheets. And one of the things that I I always kind of try to um, be very aware of is pushing technology, technology, technology all the time, because you're not necessarily always at a point to where that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, either financially, you might not have the people that can actually maintain the tool. You might not have, you know, a user base to where they are going to pick it up. 
And we actually have an episode coming up in June um, with uh, Jordan, and he specifically like optimizes Excel models. And you talked about how you had this like robust, super cool Excel model. And sometimes that is the technology that you need. You know what I mean? Sometimes you just need a really good Excel model. I mean, whatever fits, you have to make it work. Even you can have the technology there. At some point, you're going to have to extract and use Excel, I think. So um, it's just really organizing the data and really, really everybody owning their part to bring the model together. I think that's key. I really, really think that's key because you don't want to have like death by Excel, like all these files, seeing the same number, they mean nothing. No, it's really, really streamlining the process, holding hands internally, holding hands with your partners who you're receiving the information from because they have a deliverable that they need to adhere to um, to you too as well to meet your objectives. But to really streamline, and I go back to the phrase, you find, you have to find a way to kind of um, work smarter, not harder, because Excel can be a lot if you don't have the technology there, but it's just finding that balance in what works for your organization. Okay. Another, another word that I wrote down, accountability. So having people be accountable um, and just because we're, we're getting to the, the last, just got our 10 minute warning from Nicole. Um, so to, to kind of bring everything full circle, um, to, to make sure that you have an SNOP process and an SNOE process, even if you're not calling it SOE. <laughs> um, <laughs> an SNOP process and SNOE process, um, you've got your executive leadership that's driving it and you've got your stakeholder buy-in. Everyone is participating. Uh, I love how you said finding the right number of KPIs is two to three KPIs per department. You know, we, we don't need a laundry list of KPIs, but two to three KPIs per department and then cross-functional KPIs. Um, who determines what the cross-functional KPIs are? Is it democratic or is it from the top and they're, you know, the leaders are saying these are the KPIs that matter across the entire department or across the, across the entire company and every department has a role to play in it? I think we work. So our model or like our culture is very unique and very family style. So it's not democratic. I mean, even if Asha were to give it to us, there's always dialogue and conversation you can have, um, whether if it's good pushback or yes, this is amazing or no, let's not do that. Let's think about this. So I would say the KPIs are like steered and aligned together. We want to hold ourselves accountable and we want to win. And when you do it, I found from the all on board, all holding hands perspective, then it's like we can achieve it. Everybody believes in it. Sometimes when it comes like top down, it's like, does this really make sense? You don't really know. So we kind of have a different approach where we all kind of buy in. And you know what? That that makes sense. And the the thread that I'm hearing that ties this all together are two threads, which is maybe thread one and one A of <laughs> a sub point under is leadership. It is really good leadership. And um, we uh, just internally kind of have conversations every once in a while. We I won't share any names, um, but we do sometimes talk bad about companies who make bad decisions. Um, these are, you know, big, huge organizations yeah. that you hear in the news. And um, one of our directors, Laura, always says bad leadership. Like it, it comes down to bad leadership at the top. And uh, what I'm hearing is really good, amazing leadership. And uh, sub point, that amazing leadership has created a culture of collaboration. So it's not it's not an afterthought. It's something that everyone at Mason-Dixie knows we're in this together. We're trying to get it done together. Um, and uh, a lot of... Uh, the politics that I've seen um, be a hindrance to creating uh, and executing on an SNOP process don't seem to be a thing. You know, well, no. I, I don't want to do this because I don't have time. And but like everyone understands that we're in this together. Yes, yes. The politics. I mean, I've worked in a political space. 
I mean, no politics. I mean, we're all really in it together. <laughs> no, no, no politics. We're all really, really in it together. And we all know we have to think forward. We have to push ourselves and we have to hold hands. Now, is every day easy? No. Are some days hard? Yes. But we all still know, okay, we'll get through this and we're going to get through this as a team. Right. Great. Um, and Ryan Moore said the Mason Dixie food teams rocks best in class SNOP comes from complete cross-functional and executive buy-in excellent and insightful chat. Um, thanks for your comment. Thanks for joining Ryan. Um, and, uh, we've got five minutes, Nicole, let's put up our action items. Um, and this, this month is really one action item. Um, I, I, you guys know, I always like to keep it very um, manageable in terms of what can you do that you don't have to get project budget approved and resources, et cetera. Um, so back going back to where I said, sometimes people are running an AOP, your annual operating plan or your demand plan. Um, how do you know if you're actually truly running an SNOP process? Um, so self-assessment, a couple of quick questions um, that you can ask yourself. You can sit in the next meeting and see. Um, Nicole, let's put up number one, which is, do you make decisions for meetings? Atia mentioned something that was really important. It's not just a look back of what happened before. Um, what is happening now? What actionable data are you using to make decisions and to determine what you're going to do between this meeting and the next meeting, um, going back to that SNOE? So if you're not really making decisions from your meetings, it's probably not a true SNOP meeting. You're probably just doing a, a lessons learned postmortem look back. Number two, what do we have for number two? Um, is there a single version of the truth? So I asked Atia, hey, you've got finance, you've got sales, you've got operations, you're bringing in all of this data from external partners. How are you, you know, aligning that information? Um, is everyone looking at the same thing? Is everyone aligned with the, the data, the plan that is being discussed? Um, and is everyone working toward that? If, if everyone's coming in with their own roll up and, and version of what the truth is, you probably have some work to do on actually getting to um, a, a real SNOP process. Number three, can you run scenarios quickly? Two words that Atia used, agile and nimble. Are you agile and nimble? Um, I, I've talked to um, a, a prospect about six months ago, and he told me it takes us two to three months to come up with the plan. Well, that's not an SNOP plan. <laughs> if it's taking you two to three months, you're just trying to figure it out as you go, which is better than nothing. Um, but if you're if you're not able to run scenarios and identify different pros and cons, what happens? What do we do if this happens? Um, what are some potential other um, risks that we haven't considered? Uh, you want to be able to run scenarios fairly quickly. Obviously, quickly is relatively speaking. I'm going to say a couple of days is quickly, maybe even within the same day. Um, with the help of technology, I have seen people be able to run scenarios at the meeting real time. Um, what what would you say is quickly, Atia? I would say one to three days, depending three. on the topic. Yeah, I mean, if it's a hot topic, it needs to be after the meeting. Because if you're discussing it, you're already late, to be completely honest, if you don't have it, right? Okay. Because you need if it. If you're discussing it in the meeting, you're late. <laughs> I mean, because you have to be able to literally, like, predict the issue that's coming, right? You have to think very proactive. And in this environment, you kind of just have to know what's going on or you're going to be late. Right. So um, what's the, I think the fourth and last one? Um, we have is, is there consistent participation and alignment? We talked about accountability, stakeholder buy-in. Is everyone coming? Is everyone preparing? Is everyone participating in the meeting? If that's not happening, um, you might just be the person that's running the meeting, but it is not truly SNOP. Um, so those are some places that you can start. Um, just to make sure that you are going on 
the right path of leveraging SNOP, leveraging cross-functional collaboration. Um, we can talk about technology until we're blue, blue in the face. At the end of the day, supply chain is a people industry. You have to have all of the moving parts of the people um, and the culture to buy into what you are trying to accomplish. Um, so we are coming up at the last couple of seconds of this episode. Thank you so much, Atia, again, for taking out some time. Um, I hope that you will be able to get some rest this weekend. I know it is crazy, 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 um, in the CPG space. Uh, and when you're experiencing explosive growth, I won't say alarming, explosive growth. Um, and, you know, it's, it's all hands on deck at all times. So everyone, next episode, May 13th, um, we will be here again, second Friday of the month at 10 a.m. Eastern. Everyone have a good day. Bye. Thank you so much. Pop quiz. What inventory does your business have on hand? How much? Where? How fast is it turning? Who's using it? and why. If you can't answer those questions, your supply chain may be in the dark. It's time to get more visibility. Fastenal can help with bright solutions that locate products, monitor inventory, track assets, and control consumables. Want to find out more? Go to fastenal.com forward slash LTSC to see how they do it. Fastenal, where industry meets innovation. Well, that's it for this show. If you'd like to hear more, we have plenty more podcasts for you featuring the best and brightest in the industry. Head over to letstalksupplychain.com to check out the latest podcast, but also use our search bar because we have most likely had the solution to your supply chain challenge on the show and you definitely want to check it out. And remember to come back next week for this month's episode of Blended, where I'll be joined by another amazing panel to talk all about sexual harassment in the workplace. You do not want to miss it. Plus, Prompt will be on the show to share more about how they are taking the supply chain world by storm. Don't miss out and hit the subscribe button on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy the show, there are a few ways to support us. You can follow us. Follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Facebook. We're also over on TikTok. You can subscribe to us at Let's Talk Supply Chain on YouTube and subscribe to our newsletter over at letstalksupplychain.com. Next, help us create an impact in diversity and inclusion with the Blended Pledge. So we are giving away grants to diverse voices to say yes to speaking engagements because we are going to cover the travel to get you there. So if you're an individual that wants to join us in making an impact, check out Blended on GoFundMe. If you're a corporation looking for external DEI initiatives, email listener at letstalksupplychain.com. We have exclusive grant opportunities for you. And if you are a diverse voice waiting to apply, uh, we will have our applications open at the end of April. So uh, make sure to follow the Blended Pledge on LinkedIn to get to know when that is open. You can also find some really cool merch and purchase our exclusive supply chain dictionary in our shop at letstalksupplychain.com or you can go over to Let's Talk Supply Chain Instagram and DM us talk one for your free copy. And remember, if you'd like to be featured on an upcoming episode, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening. And remember, ship happens.